When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of Future Brew right here on mazeandbrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon. Joining me today, as always, my lovely co-host, Stephen Asentoski, my man. How you doing? We're 3-0. Feeling good? Feeling okay? How, how are you doing? 3-0. Feeling good. This is the first weekend I could uh, just kind of sit at home and watch the game. Enjoy it from there. I've been kind of either at the game last week or up in northern Michigan or dealing with a dog situation. So it was nice to just <laughs> kind of kind of veg out on the couch for a full day of college football and soak in that uh I don't know, like if cathartic experience would uh, kind of explain that game and my feelings towards it. It was just, yeah, it was just very nice. It was a, a calming game where everything was going pretty well and uh, no drama. And that's kind of how I like my Michigan games. <laughs> it's hard to believe that that game was zero to zero at one point because you look at the final score and you're just like, whoa, like it, it got out of hand quick, like uh, Ron Burgundy style. So, yeah, it, it was a uh, it was a solid game, solid for the offense and defense. Special teams didn't really have to do a ton, but AJ Heading at punt returner looked pretty good and uh, solid win. And we'll see what they can do this weekend against Rutgers. But that's not why we're here today. We're going to talk about recruiting, and we're starting to finally see some of the uh, recruiting prowess kind of go in Michigan's favor coming out of that maze out victory against Washington a couple weeks ago. And uh, that's, we're going to start with the podcast today is uh, with the news of Michigan football's latest commit. And that is a 2022 three-star defensive lineman, Mason Graham, the six foot four, 295 pounder is from Anaheim, California. He flipped from Boise state 
to Michigan after visiting the big house for that game that I just mentioned against Washington. He is ranked number 118 along the defensive line and number 883 overall on the composite was offered back on August 29th. So this really took just about three weeks from the moment Michigan offered until the moment he flipped to the Wolverines. And he told me after he flipped that the reason for it was that he just could not pass up the opportunity to play big 10 football, have great academics. And he said that when he met the coaches that he really enjoyed his time with them, they were all awesome. So that was a big part of it as well. So he joins four-star edge rusher, Mario Uhino along the defensive line for Michigan in this 2022 class. So Steven, Let's talk about Graham's game first. What do you see out of him? And why are you probably so excited? Because he's got a wrestling background. Go ahead. The floor is yours. I was going to open with that being a wrestler. uh, Those guys, especially on the interior defensive line, big things about wrestlers, especially the heavyweight level uh, leverage. It's all about that Um, footwork. You have to have a pretty fast feet. Um, Again, it goes back to balance your hands, hand work, controlling the wrists and wrestling is a big deal. Um, Understanding how to use your hands to gain leverage, gain every little advantage. There's so many little things that I think can carry over from that sport into football. Um, I like that he's a two-way lineman. So not only the endurance that being a wrestler brings to the game, but starting both ways on his team as a lineman, that's no easy feat. So I think that just speaks to his overall conditioning, durability, that he'll bring right, uh, right off the bat. So when you're looking at guys who are already close to 300 pounds, like Graham is, that's always one of my first questions. What's his durability look like? How, how is he going to be able to stand up? Um, you know, of course you'll rotate those guys, but will his conditioning be there? So those things just automatically raise the floor of what you can expect from him. So I see a lot of lateral agility. It's first thing that kind of pops off his high school football film for me. He can pair that really well with a swim move and he gets off the snap extremely well. So these kind of things that I see give him kind of that Ryan Glasgow comp because he doesn't really have that uh, that frame that you're really looking for, right? He's 6'3", around 300 pounds. It's about exactly where Glasgow was. Um, so it'll be interesting if Michigan de- decides to try to bulk him up and use him as a nose. I think he could be a really, really good nose tackle in – uh, passing situations right away. I think if you're looking for him to contribute as a freshman, that's where you want him. He's a guy who's it's rare for a guy of that size to be able to um, do really well on uh, kind of stunts on the interior defensive line. You can, you know, have a defensive end crash inside, have him loop around and he doesn't look out of place because of that uh, lateral agility I was speaking to. So um I think there's still some work to do in terms of his upper body strength. Again, that, that frame is probably the only like main concern on how high his upside would be. Um, and I think he's a little, little low at 883. I know those rankings are based on his uh, NFL um, potential. So I wouldn't see anything like within the top 300, but I'm thinking like anywhere between four to 500, I think would be appropriate. Um, but I think, I think the floor he has just with the ability he already, uh, shows on film, um, makes his college production probably higher than even what that rank would, uh, would, uh, expect out of a player. So 
So I like it, man. I, I'm, I'm all about, I think I had a tweet the other day where if I could have my entire defensive line of, uh, uh, of state level caliber, um, wrestlers, that's what I would do. So yep. he fits that mold and, uh, I'm excited about it. And I'm glad Michigan pulled him away from Boise. Yeah. I could totally see him being one of those guys that flies under the radar, comes in, probably doesn't play a ton, if any, right away, but later down the road, when he really develops his, his skill in not only just the weight room, but under the uh, coaching of Sean Nua, Mike McDonald, I could see him being one of those guys that uh, opposing offenses in the big 10, just hate to go up against. And, and I think the Ryan Glasgow comparison is a, a very good one. I do think that uh, th- this is a solid pickup as well. Just like you said, I'm, I'm pretty excited to uh, see him flip from Boise to Michigan too. Uh, they definitely are not done at the defensive line position in this 22 class. So that even makes it a, a, a little better as well. Now, as far as future position, I think he's probably best set for that D tackle spot that you see Chris Hitton playing. I don't really see him bulking up enough to play the nose tackle position on a consistent basis eventually, but I, I could certainly see it being at least considered, but I think at the end of the day, uh, some of these other guys that they're going after are probably better fit for the nose position, like Kenneth Grant, Dan Walker. Those are just a couple guys right at the top of my head that uh, I think are probably better fit for the nose tackle position. I think if they're trying to round out their class on the defensive line, Obviously, Eugenio is going to be on the edge. You've got Mason Graham now in the fold to where, yeah, you can kind of line them up wherever on the interior. But Kenneth Grant is specifically just built for the nose. Deion Walker, if he plays along the defensive line, if they don't flip him to offensive tackle for whatever reason, he would probably be best fit for the nose tackle. And some of these other guys are in-betweeners as well. I'm not even going to bring up uh, that five-star that uh, we're <laughs> very uh, pessimistic about uh, Michigan's chances there, but Isaiah Hastings, he could be an in-betweener guy uh, and Robbie Harrison being the other uh, defensive lineman that they're going after in this class that probably is somewhere in between nose and uh, D tackle. So I think at the very least, this is a solid depth pickup here, Steven, um, I'm, like I just said, Michigan has a little ways to go in the defensive line recruiting for this 22 class. All those guys that I mentioned are still out there. And it, it looks like, uh, you know, and we'll talk about in the next segment here uh, about uh, Kenneth Grant, but Deion Walker, I mean, it, it seems like he's kind of a shoe in for another spot in this class. But realistically, in your opinion, Stephen, uh, how many more guys do you think they need? in this class to be sitting kind of comfortably heading into 23, going after more D linemen. You mean specifically at like the interior defensive line position? Yeah. Just kind of with the guys that they're going after. Cause I yeah. Hastings Walker, Walter Nolan, Harrison, uh, Kenneth Grant. I mean, those are five guys right there that they're still actively recruiting. So, I mean, it, just in your opinion, if you're looking at it, they've got two guys right now, they've got one D tackle, they've got one edge rusher. How many more guys do you think they need? in this class um, heading into 23. Yeah. I think because you took up both uh, Ikawana, George Rooks and Benny, I think all those guys project on the interior. So I think if you can get one nose, which I know uh, we'll talk a little bit about Grant in a bit here, I think you need for sure one nose if you want to stretch that for two, 
Um, I could see that. I'd probably prefer them to stick with one nose and take one other guy kind of of the mold of Mason Graham. Um, and then I would say, because you kind of already have one edge in, uh, in Eugenio, um, you know, we look at Kevante Henry kind of as a similar guy being 6'4", 225. He could be that. So I would say as far as the edge position, just because of how heavily featured it is and how much I think Michigan plans on using that position in the future, I could see going for two more of those edge specific guys. Um, just because I think that's a position where if you bulk up a bit, they can uh, put a hand in the dirt and be more of a defensive end if need be. Whereas I think there's uh, a mold of the interior defensive lineman. You know, if you're 300 pounds, you're going to be playing on the interior. And uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of wiggle room as much with the edge guys. So I think two more edge prospects uh, for sure. A nose, maybe a second, if you're really hyped up about a guy and then one other guy um, in the similar vein of Mason Graham, who can be either a nimble nose, or as you said, kind of that Chris Hinton, um, just true D tackle role. Yeah, I, I and I certainly could see that as well. And I, I think they are still going after at least one more edge guy. And we'll talk about him as well in our next segment. So they, they've certainly got a lot of options still uh, at this uh, defensive line uh, position in 22, which is kind of mind boggling considering some of the guys that they had missed on previously that they were recruiting some of the higher ranked guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's taken a little bit of time to, to get one of these guys on board, but Mason Graham is certainly a guy that I, I think Michigan fans down the road, it won't pay dividends right away. I don't think, but I think give it a few years, give them, give them some time to hone in on that skill and get in the weight room and continue to do the things that he needs to do. And uh, I think it will pay dividends. I was reading an article, I think it was on 24-7, where one of the coaches out West had said that they believe that he is one of the best, if not the best defensive lineman uh, in California uh, this year, which is, uh, to me, pretty uh, – it's really saying something, Stephen, because you, you always have a lot of really good players, no matter what position, in the state of California. So to have Mason Graham be among one of those – guys that, that I, I guess at least the, the, the opinion of one coach uh, saying that he's one of the better defensive linemen out there is uh, is pretty pretty good to hear and it's also in my opinion Stephen yeah, I'll let you speak on this and, and we'll move on to our next segment is uh, they've really turned it around in the recruiting department as far as the guys that they want to get out west and I think a lot of that has uh, been thanks to Courtney Morgan, who has kind of turned this recruiting staff around. And you've seen this kind of start to finally pay dividends. And, uh, you know, with with what he's got going on, with what Ashawn Larkins is doing in the recruiting department, they really want to hone in on the state of California, mainly because of Courtney Morgan's connections out there. And I'm, it's a football rich state. If you're not going to get these guys down south, uh, like the Alabamas and LSUs and Clemsons of the world get, you might as well go out West and, and take advantage of that footprint that they're starting to kind of lay out there in the state of California and other parts of the West coast with Courtney Morgan. I think they've done a pretty good job out there so far in this 22 class. And I'm pretty excited to see what they do in 23, Steven. Yeah. And I think it's in a backwards kind of way, it's going to be weird when I say this, don't freak out. I'm Yvonne. I, I know that some people might shake their head when I say this, but I think COVID in a way almost aided Michigan in sort of identifying 
talent areas that they can make inroads in. And what I mean by everyone had to rely on um, just the film that they can see forging those relationships. You know, there weren't a lot of camps you can go out to. So while Michigan was in the midst of kind of changing their recruiting approach, right, you switch a lot around a lot of your position coaches, Courtney Morgan coming in um, as a new lead uh, guy in, in charge of recruiting. So when you make a switch like that, uh, it, it's generally pretty tough, right? Because you you have just new states that people have inroads in already. And um, to pick up just like a full operation of camps and things like that, there's a lot of moving pieces. So uh, without all of that in place with COVID, I think since everyone was on the same playing field of just watching film, I think Michigan, um, I'm betting they spent a ton of time looking at the next couple of classes, finding the film they can and uh, identifying, you know, what, what sorts of regions can we really hone in on and where do we think we need to be going uh, to make an impact. And, and COVID kind of reset that uh, in terms of having the new staff. It was kind of like a launching point for them. And because of kind of, you know, we've talked about how some of the rankings may be a little out of whack or, um, you know, some guys can fly below the radar more in 2022 and 2023 classes as a result. Um, I, I think that also just leaves an opportunity for Michigan to um, to, to lean on their uh, ability to identify talent, which I think Michigan has always done. I mean, you look at even the East coast with Massachusetts and Pennsylvania, Michigan's guys from the East coast have generally performed extremely well. So I think a lot of that goes into your ability to scout film, right? A lot of those guys are not playing in a region that you that the Michigan staff was frequenting all too often. So that shows their ability to, um, extract skills from film that I think can sometimes be difficult to do. So I think that that's kind of impressed me on how Michigan has built this class. And I think it, um, in a way is kind of showing with a guy like Mason Graham. And you mentioned how they thought he was one of the top defensive linemen in California. He's, he's only the ninth ranked defensive lineman in California. So despite being, you know, just within top 900, um, there's only eight other defensive linemen in front of him. And so it, not trying to discount that statement or anything, but the highest ranked guy is just within the top 100. And I think there's only two or three, four star uh, defensive linemen in the state of California for the 2022 class. So that's the thing where it's like, yeah, you know, I think, as I said, the, if I have him in my 400 to 500 range, that would, you know, put him at least in the conversation of top three or top four defensive lineman in the state. So, you know, I'm buying that. And sometimes you can see those statements. And it's like, is that kind of hyperbole? Are they just trying to hype him up? And it's like, oh, I, I, I can kind of see that with how weird these ranking cycles have been just with lack of camps, as I said, and lack of games in the past couple of years. So, um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm bought in and I think it's, it's a good start. Obviously there's more data, more years that we'll need to uh, check out in terms of Courtney Morgan and how the rankings um, and recruiting that Michigan does this year specifically, um, how that lines up with production, but I think it's off to a good start. And I like the lack of, um, turnover of like commits to decommits and stuff like that. Guys who are buying in are, are seemingly committed to stay committed. And I think that speaks to identifying the right type of people that Michigan wants in their class and people who uh, are committing not only to the coaches, but to the school as well. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I think they've only had 
uh, a, a handful of decommitments this year. And I, obviously a lot of that came when Don Brown ended up going uh, to Arizona, but uh, yeah, really goes to show what they're trying to do in Ann Arbor in that recruiting department. And yeah, I mean, with uh, Mason Graham going off uh, in his first two games, I, I think he had seven sacks or something in his first two games. I mean, it, it was like an incredible start to, to the year. And I, I don't know how he's done since then, but uh, any start like that has to have you at least kind of excited, kind of looking into it a little bit and kind of paying attention to what uh, could be the future of Michigan football. So yeah, exciting stuff there. And we're going to talk more about some guys that uh, visited for that Washington game that, really is gaining traction on the recruiting trail for Michigan with all these crystal balls that are flooding in. So we're going to talk about that after the break, but let's talk first about home field apparel, which is a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of the Midwest in Indianapolis. And not only is it comfortable stuff that they've got there, but it's officially licensed gear. So they do not screw around when it comes to their designs. And the cool thing about home field is that the team over there studies every school's history, traditions, legacies. And with all of that, they create their thoughtful designs that tell the unique story of each university. And they've got some amazing original Michigan designs that you will not find anywhere else, no matter how hard you try. They've got t-shirts, crew necks, whatever it is you want today, they've Got it. So go to homefieldapparel.com, use the promo code MNB at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your entire first order. Again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code MNB. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Everybody, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. We are going to wrap up our podcast today discussing some of the prospects that are gaining some crystal balls here in favor of the maize and blue. And a lot of these guys visited for that Washington game, the maize out. Uh, there's just one guy in the 23 class that did not visit for that game. So we'll, we'll just save him for last Steven. And we'll start with uh, one of the guys that we were just talking about in the last segment. That's Kenneth Grant, that mammoth six foot four, 335 pound defensive tackle from the state of Indiana, number 511 overall on the composite has a, a final three of Michigan, Ohio State, and Wisconsin, and visited for that Washington game, as I just mentioned, and 
really I'm picking up steam for the maize and blue here. Four crystal balls have been put in uh, for Michigan to land Kenneth Grant here. So I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of felt like Michigan had a slight lead going into that visit, Stephen. And now with all these crystal balls coming in, it, it kind of seems like a matter of uh, when and not if uh, for Kenneth Grant to eventually become a member of this 22 class for the maize blue. Yeah, it was kind of a question whether Wisconsin or Ohio State, if they were, you know, top tier uh, offers to him, I should say, where it's like, obviously they're interested. They wouldn't extend an offer otherwise, but it seemed like he was really interested in Ohio State and possibly either, you know, someone in his camp or something was telling him to slow it down. So it, it's hard to say if he was like a top flight offer for Ohio State, a committable offer. And if he was, it's likely that they would have gotten grant services. Now that's just speculation, but uh, usually when there's kind of smoke around that sort of topic, there's fire. So um, I'm, you know, of the camp who thinks that that's probably the case. And this, I think a, a strong point to consider here is I think Sean Nua had kind of a questionable um, future at Michigan. He was the only guy on the defensive staff, I think, who was retained. I think a lot of that was recruiting uh, focused. Michigan was really close with Rashawn Benny, really close to George Rooks, obviously got both of them. And that's huge for Michigan's future on defensive line. So got to give a ton of credit to him. And I think this year uh, defensive line is looking stronger than it has the previous couple of years. So again, um, I think Nua deserves some credit for getting that position to where it is this year. And think of how that affects defensive line recruits, right? You need to know not only, you know, a, a potentially shaky future that Jim Harbaugh was looking at um, heading into the season, but also your position coach. Those are, you know, two guys that are most important to what your future looks like at a, at a given program. And um, it, it's something that I think Michigan has really solidified their roles uh, on this staff. And the second point I had about that was you, you start to see Jordan Whitley getting some significant time, the Oregon state transfer uh, behemoth of a nose tackle for Michigan. And he's really the only guy shaped like Kenneth Grant on Michigan's roster right now. So when you can point to him getting time, you can point to Jordan Whitley and say, listen, this is a guy uh, first year, you know, he came in as a transfer and he's able to contribute. You're already his size we think that you can do exactly what he is doing for us this year. You know, we're not asking you a whole lot, but we see what you can do to double teams. There's a role for you on this team and there's an immediate role for that. So I think all of those things um, with the staff, with the roster makeup, with Michigan prioritizing him compared to, you know, potential other top suitors of his, I think that's just too strong for, for other programs to compete with right now. Um, so it, it's something where I think you can get Grant, uh, you know, to a contributing place really quickly. And, um, I mean, as far as nose tackle film, he has like a stiff arm on a quarterback on a fumble return for a touchdown. <laughs> I think I mentioned the, like they put him in a slot fade situation and he mossed a guy in the end zone for a touchdown. It's just phenomenal. So, I'm all about these big guys. It's uh, my favorite position to watch. And I, I'm really, really glad that Michigan continued to apply the pressure on uh, Kenneth Grant, prioritized him because mm -hmm. uh, it's a position you'll need, uh, you know, two to three able-bodied guys to rotate. And it gives you so much flexibility on your defense. So 
uh, he's an exciting guy to watch. And I'm, I, I really do think that he uh, has potential to contribute early on uh, if he does decide to join the Wolverines. Yeah, he's a freak. There's, there's no other way to put it. The dude is just a beast. And I, I agree. I do think that he would be an early contributor at Michigan for sure. I think with the way that they're using the nose tackles, like you mentioned, Whitley's starting to get more playing time. Mozzie Smith has obviously been one of the main contributors. Donovan Jeter has, uh, has stepped up uh, in, in recent weeks. Uh, they're starting to get some guys in here at the, at, uh, the nose tackle position. I think Kenneth Grant, uh, if he comes to Michigan would just be a, a, an absolute monster. I mean, he'd be a monster wherever he goes, but it, you would love to see it in the maze and blue. Let's stick with the defensive line and go to the edge rushing position. Uh, like we kind of talked about in the last segment. And let's talk about three-star Joshua Josephs, who picked up two crystal balls for Michigan since he visited for that Washington game. He is listed at 6'3", 215. He's from the state of Georgia is the number 28 edge prospect and the number 496 overall prospect in this 22 class. He officially visited Penn State back in June, but it really looks like the two other contenders here are Kentucky and Tennessee. And I want to say he officially visited Tennessee pretty recently as well for a game day over there. Uh, obviously just visited Michigan and uh, it looks like he's going to, probably take a visit to Kentucky at some point. Uh, He pushed his commitment date back. So it looks like he at the very least wants to give all of these schools a fighting chance uh, to impress him on a campus visit. So uh, two crystal balls for Joshua Josephs, kind of like one of those positions that you had mentioned in the last segment with Cavante Henry, the edge rusher from California. Uh, Certainly they are looking to stock up at that position. And you certainly see why with uh, guys like David Ojabo just finally starting to feast uh, in this defense. Didn't really do much in that first week, but the last couple weeks, he's really started to uh, flash uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And I think guys like Josephs, Devontae Henry, uh, Micah Pollard, even uh, the three-star linebacker commit, if they want to keep him at that spot or maybe shift him into the middle, it's to be seen. Uh, but uh, guys like that, they're certainly going to have an important impact on Mike McDonald's defense moving. Could not find the unmute button. I was talking um, as, as you were in there. I'm like Jalen Harrell. I was just yelling. Well, his him name too. The yeah, him too. He he's really impressed me. I'll I'll let you speak. Uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll hang up and listen. Go no, ahead. No, that that's. I was watching Joshua Joseph's film uh, again this morning, and that was the uh, that was the name that just kept popping out was uh was Jalen Harrell who's obviously getting some run. I think it's probably like a year earlier than we expected Jalen Harrell to uh to be contributing, but um as I look up Jalen Harrell's uh rankings overall, I think he was probably a little bit higher. He was if I remember like around 400 or so, top 300. He was I thought he was a four star. Yeah. yeah, he was. So top 300, he was a four star. So um, Joshua Joseph's a little smaller because Jalen Harrell it was a six four two thirty five, and um, Joshua Joseph's six three. He's like closer to two twenty or something right now. But the uh, the comp- comparisons on film, it, it, it's there. Um, I, I think they both operate surprisingly well in uh, in space and pass, and I think that's uh, an area where Michigan's really using Harrell, and I think that's uh, where Joshua Joseph's will come in handy as well. So. Um, it's, 
as we've been saying, it's a position that's just featured really heavily. Uh, a guy who can do multiple things. The more you can do, uh, the more you can confuse the offense on whether a guy's going to drop into the flats or uh, come off the edge to rush. Um, there's a role for you at, at Michigan now. And um, I think Michigan's just really going to stock up. I, I mentioned get like two or three, uh, you know, probably two, two additional bodies. And I think Joseph's is a guy who I see as closer to like a, a between 300 and 400 overall prospect. Um, I think just because Harold was closer to being a, a natural edge uh, prospect with his size, I think there's a little bit more growth to be done on Joshua Joseph's side. So that's why that's really the only reason I wouldn't have him um, ranked as high. So I think there'd be a little bit more time for Joseph's to kind of marinate and become that true edge prospect. But, uh, but man, he, he hits hard. I, I love his, his hitting ability. He definitely brings the thunder and um, he's a sure tackler as well. So he's not just hitting guys. Uh, I love the way he wraps up, uh, goes for the legs. And um, you know, I think, I think he, he just checks a lot of boxes that you're looking for at that position. So, um, you know, as, as we list these names, I feel like in the past, sometimes there's like, well, he could maybe be here, maybe be this guy. And um, I'm, I'm happy that all of these guys, I can for sure see the path that Michigan is almost surely aligning out for them while they're on these recruiting visits as well. So it'll be interesting between, you know, when I hear both like Kentucky and Tennessee, that's like, well, does this guy just want to be in the SEC is, you know, because Kentucky and Tennessee, sure, they're having okay seasons thus far, Kentucky uh, yet to lose, but they're going to be getting into their the teeth of their schedule here in the next couple of weeks. Um, same with Tennessee with Florida next week. So this is a situation where, you know, if, if he's going outside the SEC, seems like Michigan has a chance. Again, it's not like a Walter Nolan situation where, it's a long shot. I think Michigan's in a really, really good position here, obviously with the crystal ball. But um, I, I think this is one where uh, comparatively to some of the other names we'll mention here, I think uh, continuing to show results and um, I expect Tennessee and Kentucky to maybe, maybe falter a little bit. I think that could really help Michigan uh, solidify the path that this recruitment is seemingly going in the Wolverines favor. I want to correct myself real quick, too, because I said Joseph's had visited Tennessee already. He has not visited Tennessee. I want to say he flipped his uh, visit schedule to visit Michigan for uh, the Washington game, and he'll visit Tennessee at a later date. I don't know if it's going to be this weekend or if it was last weekend. or It it does say on 24-7 he visited September 11th. To Tennessee, which which was the the Washington game that he visited right, right, right. for. So I they oh, you're must right. have just not updated that for whatever reason. That's my bad. So he definitely visited for the Michigan game. I know that for sure. He's going to take a visit to Tennessee at some point if it wasn't last weekend. I don't know if it was last weekend or not. I don't, I don't think it was, but I want to say he's going to visit Kentucky and Tennessee at some point before he uh, makes his final decision. So he has visited Michigan, no other visits to uh, those two other places uh, as far as I know. So let's flip over to the offensive line. Let's just get five-star Josh Connerly out of the way. There were two crystal balls in Michigan's favor uh, for the 6'5", 275-pounder from Seattle uh, after that um, big game against Washington. He's from the state of Washington, so obviously – 
I, I think that kind of eliminated the Huskies from contention at that point. He was kind of considering Washington. He did, however, visit Washington uh, the weekend after, and they did play significantly better this past weekend, albeit against weaker competition. Uh, but they did get their first win in front of Josh Connerly. So uh, he is the number 20 overall prospect, number three offensive tackle. Um, there's no other way to really put it. You just love to see crystal balls come in for five stars at any point, but especially at this position. And we talked about it uh, last week, or two weeks ago, Michigan needs uh, another offensive lineman or two in this class. And Connerly is just, just that a potential jewel uh, crown jewel of this class, along with Will Johnson. Now as good as the offensive line played in that game and in the Northern Illinois game, uh, as well as Western. I mean, they've put up three straight performances of just domination uh, at the offensive line. I, it, it's interesting because you can kind of pinpoint sometimes where the weakest point of the offensive line is. I can't really see that this year, Steven. So I'll let you speak on where you think the weakest point of the offensive line is and just how important this is for Connerly to get a couple crystal balls in Michigan's favor. That's a good question. I don't know. That's <laughs> a, a, a touchy question. The what, good thing for Connerly's aspect uh, for visiting and, and, and all of that. I mean, it, it, if you got the whole offensive line gelling, I mean, <laughs> it's just, it, it's a great thing for an offensive line prospect to see. That's all. I'm yeah. Saying. Yeah. I, I honestly think the, the biggest thing that Michigan has been missing is kind of that, like that star power on the offensive line. I mean, I can't really think of a guy since like Chuck Filiaga, maybe like Cesar Ruiz, those kind of guys where those were like no doubter five-star type. Um, you know, I, I think Ruiz was still a four-star, but you know what I mean? Where these guys were like, these guys are going to be contributors. They're going to be really good. Um, could argue Filiaga didn't quite pan out, but he's still getting extended playing time and he's a key contributor for a really, really good offensive line. So um, I think having a guy like Connerly makes you just that much more excited that the tackle position isn't going to be lacking an athlete, right? It's going to be um, when you have a guy like him, he reminds me of a guy that you would take as a tight end, right? Almost like a Ryan Hayes. And you know that he'll probably be something in three to four years. He'll probably be a star. He'll get drafted in the top three or four rounds. And it'll be a really, really good collegiate uh, offensive lineman. And that's like Connerly has already done that, but he has the the footwork. He has the athleticism and the frame already there. And he's already put on the weight to be that kind of player. So um, this was another one where uh, there were questions, right? How is Sharon Moore going to do as an offensive line coach? Early returns. I mean, Michigan's what number one in rushing yards over 350 yards per game to an offensive line recruit. Um, it doesn't get any better than that. And I'm really, really glad that Michigan has been able to translate that into um, a top flight offensive lineman like Connerly here, because sure, those sort of stats, those things are fun to read, but unless you're able to convert those into your ability to attract talent, then, you know, winning football games now is one thing, but setting yourself up for the future to continue that sort of success, that's where getting guys like Connerly as a result of that really comes into play. So I'm really glad 
that uh, Michigan not only knocked out of the park on the visit, but are able to continue that into additional games beyond that. And um, I think it's just that thing where Michigan is hit on a lot of those guys that you convert from a tight end into a really athletic offensive tackle. Michigan's hit really well on that type of player, but uh, Connor Lee's like a no doubter (laughs) in that regard. Um, And having, having that sort of guaranteed, um, star on the offensive line is something that I think uh, Michigan um, will need to do just because you can't hit on those guys all the time. And uh, I'm just glad it's, it's translating the success into uh, crystal balls here. Yep. There's no doubt about that. you love to see five stars get crystal balls anytime at any position. Uh, but I agree. I, I just love how, Sharon Moore has just turned around that offensive line group uh, in in little to no time. And it's interesting, the uh, conversion of tight ends to offensive linemen, but also Joel Honigford uh, at tight end now. He He's looking pretty good as a blocking tight end. I uh, I don't know how much success or, or play he'll have in the receiving game, but as far as him converting from a, a backup offensive lineman to now, uh, I would say he's a decent starter um, at the tight end position, just from a blocking standpoint with how much running they've been doing uh, just really goes to show the development that they've had in the blocking game, just in general. And uh, more is a huge part of it. And Connor Lee would uh, definitely be fortunate to have him if he uh, uh, eventually picked Michigan here, let's move to the skill position of wide receiver. And let's talk about Amorian Walker who picked up three crystal balls to the Wolverines ever since visiting for the maze out at six, four, one seventy five. Uh, I am really excited um, to, to see crystal balls come in for uh, Michigan to flip a prospect of his caliber, but also to flip a prospect of his caliber uh, from Notre Dame. You, you just love to see that at any point as well. He's number 542 on the composite number 39 at the athlete position committed to the Irish back in March. Uh, but ever since he blew up at that camp at Alabama back in June, he's really received a lot of recruiting attention, visited Michigan for the Washington game, and obviously was just blown away by everything and all of the attention that he was getting from uh, the coaching staff. So this one is uh, certainly one that you love to see because I mean, if, if they're going to get, and we talked about this a few weeks ago too, but if you're going to get another receiver in this class, you might as well have it be a guy like Walker where he's got flexibility at both wide receiver and defensive back. And he's just tall and fast. And uh, that's really all, really all that needs to be said, Stephen. I mean, I, I would be very excited uh, to see a Maureen Walker flip from Notre Dame to Michigan. You'd just love to see it. Yeah, it's one of those where you love to see a guy get stole, stolen from um, one of Michigan's rivals. There's just there's really nothing better. It's uh, it's about the best that you can get. Um, it, it, he's one of those guys, and I don't do this often. Um, I think I did it for only two recruits um, back when Zach Charbonnet was initially like a top 400 overall guy or something. He was ranked like the 26th running back or something Um, back when he committed to the Wolverines, I went through every single one of the running backs ranked ahead of him and just couldn't believe it. And even though he's at UCLA, right, I think we can all agree that Michigan is well-suited at the running back position. Um, 
I, I'm still really high on his skill set. think he'll do great things. But, um, and Blake Corm was the other guy where I'm just like, I just can't believe that there are, I don't know, for his case, like 10 other running backs better than this guy in this class. And uh, Amorian Walker, I haven't done that yet, but I cannot believe, you know, on rivals, he's ranked 50th overall as an athlete. You, you just can't convince me that there's 49 better um, athletes in this class than Amorian Walker. They, they don't build guys 6'3 or 6'4 who um, can truly run, you know, 4-4 level speed. Um, guys with that sort of length that I really, really want to see his shuttle time. Um, I think it might be actually listed, but it's like it's got to be in the low four fours, which is incredible for a guy of his height. Um, and when you have a guy like Steve Klinkscale trying to convince, um, the staff to let him have him or like to, for him to coach him as a cornerback, that's when, you know, it's, it's someone special because, uh, again, a six, three or six, four competent cornerback, those guys just don't exist. They, you don't see the hips, the flexibility on those guys to be able to do that. And, um, I know we have a lot of cornerbacks in the class, but honestly, that's even though he has such upside at wide receiver as well, I would start him at cornerback because that is just a number one cornerback in the nation. If you can get that to work. And um, uh, again, taking a guy from Notre Dame, I'll do that all day. When you add in his skill set, he's, he's going to be the, the most underrated guy on Michigan's board if they get him. And I think he's already the most underrated guy. Uh, I'll put a bet on it of anyone that Michigan has offered at this point. So uh, that's how strongly I feel about him. Um, I'm really, really excited. I know we talked about it where it's like, well, is he kind of committed? I think the most telling uh, quote from a 24 seven article with um, I think it was his father who said he's still kind of committed to Notre Dame. And when you hear kind of committed, that's uh, about as, as charming soft of a commitment that you can get. So, <laughs> so that's music to my ears. And, um, you know, another guy, uh, I mean, you've, you've said it, it, Michigan's really put on the heat and it's another commitment that is just seemingly headed in Michigan's direction and uh, about as good of a spot as they could be. Um, you know, outside of a straight up commitment, but I like Michigan's chances. Yeah, I do too. I, I saw that quote as well. And I was like, Oh, kind of committed, huh? Oh, you don't say, uh, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I, I think there's a, a fair chance that uh, some good news comes fairly soon, uh, in that regard. We'll, we'll certainly see, but we'll, uh, flip to uh, the other, I guess the other side of the defensive backfield potentially, if that's where Walker plays is that corner. Let's talk about three-star safety, Damani Dent, who picked up a crystal ball to the Wolverines after visiting for the maze out. He stands at six foot tall, a buck 75. He is very lowly ranked on the composite at 1,483 overall is from the city of Jacksonville, which is George Hilo territory down there in Florida, was also offered by Oregon and Pitt uh, after, uh, or well, not after, but he got offered by Oregon, Michigan, and Pitt uh, pretty much all back to back to back and uh, made him back off of his verbal pledge to Akron, uh, where he was committed at the time. And 
uh, and pretty much just straight up told 24 seven that Michigan is now his top school. Uh, I believe he plans on making a commitment in October. So it, it's coming up pretty quick here for Damani Dent to uh, uh, make his final commitment. Yeah, it's uh, October 10th is uh, uh, the commitment watch on uh, 24-7's profile for him. So uh, one prediction for Michigan Obviously, you'd imagine that Oregon is probably the other contender. It'll be interesting to see if he gets out to Oregon in time uh, to visit there before October 10th. If not, I think you kind of probably can imagine that. I mean, in my opinion, if he doesn't visit Oregon, it's it's game set and match. It's it's a Michigan victory on the recruiting trail. You're probably going to get his commitment at that point. And uh, again, another I guess, underranked at the very least prospect uh, that Michigan would be picking up in this class. I haven't had the chance to watch any film on him yet, so I'll, I'll let you take uh, the wheel on that one, Stephen. Um, do you think this would be a, a decent pickup here for Michigan? Yeah, he's got good versatility. He's got film at safety position, cornerback, wide receiver. I liked his ability to play press um, from you know either a slot corner position. Um, I think he can play the nickel really well. Uh, being sort of, you know, I don't think he has the athleticism uh, to be a Dax Hill, but I, I think he has the skill set uh, at this point in the experience to really fill that role. So I like that he is a really hard hitter. He doesn't shy away from contact. So having that sort of safety mentality with a uh, press corner uh, high school experience, that's really appealing to me because it just gives you more options, right? If this guy can really uh, improve in his flexibility, improve some of his uh, agility, you can put him out at corner, feel safe. Um, otherwise, you can utilize his um, his willingness to hit and put him as a, a safety and feel comfortable there. So with a guy who's a little bit lower ranked like him, you know, it, it's it's always good to see those Pitt and Oregon offers come through where Michigan's not the only team out on an island. Um, so I like to see that kind of as like a validation that, yeah, he's, he's like a power five level guy and not just someone that Michigan's, you know, out kind of just taking a random shot on. So, um, so I, I feel safe in saying that he is at the very least going to be a, um, like a, a contributing member of the team. I, I you know, I can't tell you he's going to be a star, but with his experience, um, with the different areas that he's played, uh, in high school, I think his floor is much higher than a guy that you would think of his ranking. Um, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of drama here. Like you said, unless he, he schedules a visit to Oregon, he, he got some offers. He had one visit and now he set a commitment date. I think that's uh, about as straightforward as you, you can get. And, um, you know, everyone in his camp on uh, his assistant coach had lots of good things to say. Uh, after the visit. So seems like Michigan just did a good job identifying someone who uh, I, I think provides their defense, some versatility. I think this class desperately needs some safeties. So I think you could add one more guy uh, at least one more guy at the safety position um, just for, uh, you know, depth heading into next year, you're losing both of your safeties most likely after this year, unless something crazy happens, I'd expect both Dax Hill and, um, and Brad Hawkins to, to take off. So uh, I think you just need a couple, uh, a couple more bodies there. And I think, um, like I said, Damani Dent is an intriguing prospect uh, who gives you some flexibility. And I think 
should be ranked probably maybe around seven to 800 rather than 1500. I think that's a pretty absurd uh, ranking at this time. Yeah. Pretty crazy with the ranking there. I, I'd be curious to see if he's able to rise the ranks as the high school season uh, goes on. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as depth goes, they're definitely going to need another guy in this class. It, it looks like Rod Moore is definitely going to be one of those guys stepping up next year. He's definitely getting a lot of run this year early on so far. And uh, you would imagine that uh, some of these other high rank safeties that they've got in these uh, previous classes uh, would would also be uh, in consideration for that. But I do agree. I think both safeties end up leaving. So they're going to need uh, at least I, I, w- I would say comfortably, at least moving forward, they, they would want to have two. Uh, in this class. So uh, let's talk about one more prospect. He's in the 2023 class. He's an in-state recruit, picked up three crystal balls, did not visit for that Washington game, but did visit earlier this season, I believe for the Western Michigan game. And uh, that's Samaj Morgan, uh, three-star wide receiver. He is five foot 10, 175 pounds from West Bloomfield, which Michigan is very familiar with. He is the number five player in the state of Michigan, number 44 at the receiver position and number 314 overall. So really on the fringe of four-star status there. And Alan Trio of 24-7 compares him to Brandon Cooks, who is just tearing it up with the Houston Texans uh, through the first two games of the NFL season. Other significant offers for Samaj Morgan include Missouri, Ole Miss, West Virginia, and Memphis. So, Real nice player. Michigan doesn't have a commit in the 23 class, but uh, I could certainly see a guy like Samaj Morgan potentially being one of the first guys to commit to that 23 class. He's an in-state guy. Uh, He's from West Bloomfield. His former head coach is on the Michigan coaching staff. This just seems like a match made in heaven, Stephen. Yep, there's lots of upside in getting uh, established with an in-state guy in the class of 2023 early as well. So uh, even if he's not necessarily the the top guy on your board, which I think Samaj Morgan, he has plenty of skills to to be um, a really solid wideout in the future. Again, I think just getting a guy early on um, to kind of be that guy in the 2023 class uh, in the state of Michigan is really, really valuable. I think he's He's closer to me of like an AJ Henning type where uh, he's just, he's really shifty. I don't think he really does like any one thing extremely well. He's just really solid across the board. Um, I was impressed with his catching radius, despite not being all that tall, right? He's like five ten or so. Um, But he, he showed an ability to run pretty crisp routes. He makes things look uh, pretty effortless. Uh, He was utilized quite a bit on film on, uh, a lot of jet sweeps. He's a return guy for West Bloomfield. So uh, he just has a lot of those um, kind of skills that I think AJ Henning provides for the Wolverines. And I could see him utilized uh, in a similar way early on in his career. So um, I, I think the only other thing in terms of his skill set to really mention is he's a big yards after the catch kind of guy. I think that kind of goes with his, uh, his, jet sweep. I think you can kind of see like jet sweep. You want guys who have good vision. They know when to cut up the field. They know how to uh, position themselves uh, when getting to the boundary and just eke out those uh, couple extra yards. And um, I think that lends itself well to his skill set. So um, 
he's a guy I, I'd expect to really kind of blow up in the next year or so as he gets a little, little faster. I think he can, he can grow into his body a little bit more and, and develop a little bit more speed. Um, and that's where I think he'll see the most opportunity for a rise in his rankings. But I do think he's appropriately ranked uh, as like a high three-star right now. So um, again, I think it's, uh, again, solidifying yourself in the class um, in 2023 early on, especially in state is really important. And I think he's a guy uh, who could probably ascend 50 to a hundred spots um, as he showcases his skills um, in the next coming year or so. Quick prediction. Who do you think commits first out of all these guys we just talked about? Uh, let's see. It's September 20th. If I was a safe bet, I would probably say uh, probably I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go Maureen Walker. I'm, I'm going to call it. I think That's what I was going to say, I was going to say him too. Yeah. I think because he's committed, I think he kind of wants to like, get over with, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh, I, I'm not feeling it anymore. I kind of want to just get on board with Wolverines or the rest of the guys. Um, I, I think it could be a, a case where, you know, you're still trying to figure out other, other schools, see how the season plays out. I think, I think Walker's mind is kind of, kind of made up at this point. Yeah. I think, it, I think it's, I think it's matter of weeks, not, not months for him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the flips usually happen a lot quicker than anything else. You saw that with Mason Graham flipping from Boise State to Michigan. Uh, I think we'll probably see that uh, from Walker at, at some point in the near future uh, if, if those crystal balls stay the same. Um, but they are definitely in Michigan's favor as of this recording. And Stephen, appreciate you as always. And thank you for listening to another episode of Future Brew. Right here on Maze and Brew, you can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. And where are you at, Mr. Austin Toski? You can find me at Stephen Toski. Follow Maze and Brew, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Whatever social media you use, we're probably there. Uh, you can follow Stephen's work on the YouTube page as well and give us five-star reviews and subscribe to all of our podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. For Stephen Austin Toski, I'm Vaughn Lozon. We'll come back next week for another edition of Future Brew. And until then, go Blue.